Welcome to episode 24 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage you, our listeners, to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Hi Helen, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. Good, that's good. Um, We've got... um, we got a hopefully an interesting topic to uh, to talk about that that is that is very topical, haven't we uh, this time around? But um, just before we get into that, just, there's been a few things happening, hasn't there, since our last wrap up of of the year podcast, which we did just before was just before New Year's, wasn't it? I think we did. Yeah. Feels yeah. like a long feels like a long time it does ago feel now. Like ages ago. I know it does, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, quite a lot has happened. Uh, since then, we, and we just wanted to just t- touch on a few of these things. Um, and yeah, do you, do you want to kick off with the first one? Uh, yes. So uh, before, it was just before Christmas, wasn't it? We did a podcast um, on Andrew Bridgen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I think we mentioned in there that he had said that uh, he was the MP who had um, made a speech in Parliament about um, his concerns around the vaccine. And I think I said in the podcast that I'd heard him say that it's likely this will end his career. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes, that was rather prophetic because that effectively has happened. He's been, um, what's the official term, suspended Yes. from the party, withdrawn. The whip has been re- withdrawn. That's so. right. Yes. Yeah. He has. He has. Because it all, it all kind of came to a head um, uh, I think last week now, wasn't it? Um, where he he basically put something out on Twitter, and uh, and he said this. This is this is a tweet which is now deleted, but if you look for it, you can you can find find it. But he, this is what he said. He said, as one consultant cardiologist said to me, this is the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust, and uh, it. It kind of he tweeted that out and he linked to a, an article on the Zero Hedge website where this consultant cardiologist was um, highlighting um, what he believed the dangers of the vaccine were and all sorts of stats to back that up. But anyway, it 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 uh, it blew up, didn't it, Helen? Really, it, uh, it did. And and the thing is, was was it because he he mentioned a, a consultant cardiologist or a crime against humanity? Well, it wasn't any of those things, was it? It's because he mentioned the word yeah. Holocaust, yeah. which is a bit of a a trigger word, I think. And and sometimes you can understand why, um, but uh, immediately it was um, taken. Well, yeah, all, all all the usual suspects came at came out and really really attacked attacked him. Uh, for example, Sajid Javid said this. He said, "Right to take it's right to take action over Andrew Bridgen's tweet. Morally repugnant to compare the life-saving vaccine rollout to the Holocaust, and it's dangerously wrong to imply that many good people who played their part in it are part of some kind of conspiracy." Um, yeah, it was. Uh, and then, of all people, um, famous celebrity person Matt Hancock. Um, of course, we all know from from that now, don't we? Um, the who, who said this in uh, he said this in a, in a tweet, and and he reiterated this in, in Parliament. He 
He said, the disgusting and dangerous anti-Semitic, anti-vax, anti-scientific conspiracy theories spouted by a sitting MP this morning are unacceptable and have absolutely no place in our society. I'm not sure Matt Hancock had actually read his tweet listening to that because either he has, re- he has read his tweet and can't understand English or he hasn't read his tweet. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, this kind of bile coming from the likes of uh, Sajid Javid and, and Matt Hancock is both predictable and and sad at the same time isn't it really yeah yeah it is and i i mean the i, I don't understand I, I think it's outrageous what they're saying but particularly to say that that was anti-semitic i mean for a start the person he's quoting i think is israeli yes isn't he the uh, consultant cardiologist he was quoting mm-hmm. is from israel um and you know, I, I don't understand why, if we regard the Holocaust as, um, you know, the most heinous thing that has happened in in recent history, then why is it why is it wrong to compare that to something else that you think is is a some kind of crime against humanity, if that's what you believe it to be? Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean. You're, you're right. And, and I think as well, it's important to note that it, 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 he says it, the biggest crime against humanity since the Holocaust. So arguably, he's not, he's not, saying, he's not, not even comparing really it comparing to, it to the Holocaust. No. He's simply saying is since so people's inability to, to read and comprehend what somebody has said. And, and, and also he is he is he is. Uh, uh, referring to what this consultant cardiologist said to him these were his words the cardiologist's words so yeah i mean there's been the the thing is you just see people's true colors true agenda and the, the the fact of the matter is nobody wants any questions asked about the um uh vaccine rollout the jab rollout and the harms it's caused and they don't want to have any kind of accountability especially in parliament and all andrew Bridgen was really asking for was to for it to be paused until we can work out what's going on which is actually yeah. very reasonable and caring to do yeah um, so if they if they can rubbish him silence him you know um, make everyone think that he's some kind of racist, crazy man. Then, um, then they don't have to, you know, everything can be forgotten. Nothing has to be looked into, and on they go. That's that's what they're trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 you know, they they just go with these kind of ad hominem attacks on on Bridgen himself, and you get you know these sort of hit pieces that appear in the likes of the Guardian um, and and other you know other you know well-known publications and yeah it's 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 um it's a shame it's a shame yeah, um, um but yeah but andrew, andrew bridgen he has stood up for the for the right thing and he's paid a price for it which is often what happens when when you do that but it's worth it's always worth noting with these things the type of reaction that people give isn't it helen because yeah. that really lifts the lid on what's going on underneath. And when you have the lights of likes of Matt Hancock and Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak piling in, the hypocrisy is overwhelming. 
Um, but anyway, um, it's uh, it's just a sad state of affairs, and uh, it's uh, it's um, yeah, that's been quite a big thing. Another big thing has been a, 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 another. Uh, well, consultant cardiologist again, uh, Dr. Asim Malholtra, who we've talked about before, haven't we? He's kind of had quite a remarkable 180 degrees, we've said many times, turnaround in all this from being very pro-COVID vaccine to, to now calling for the same thing that Andrew Bridgen has been asking for, which is to stop this. And uh, interestingly and bizarrely, he was on the BBC, and, and I, I it's, it's difficult to work out whether what was going on there wasn't it in terms of how he got on there because you know for all their faults the bbc aren't stupid um yeah. well so. i know they had him it was talking about statins wasn't it he was yes um, he was on there to talk about statins that's right yeah and uh <laughs> and i was watching it thinking well i know what he's going to say sooner or later he's going to say it and and when he did and he talked about the vaccine I thought, well, they'll be shouting in her ear, the interviewer. They'll be shouting at her to get him off, get him off. But bizarrely, she actually asked him further questions. Yeah, it was it was it was most peculiar. Um, but he basically called for the uh, again called for the mRNA jabs to be pulled, and um, he, you know, to get that call in 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 the mainstream in that way is is very unusual. Um, and, and I think it, in some respects, you know, it, it slightly messes with the mainstream media head a little bit when they have somebody who they have revered previously, who now has kind of turned against them. They're not really sure how to how to handle them, which is why, of course, we have we have this whole cancel culture now. So as soon as you step outside the the sort of narrative paradigm, you're immediately sort of um, ostracised and and uh, neutered. Uh, but they kind of failed in that moment here didn't they with with him um and, and i think it's had um 20 million views really i know it's a lot and yeah, yeah, yeah wow well um maybe yeah it's i'm not i'm not surprised but it will we'll we'll link to it in the in the podcast notes so you can go and have a look for yourself and uh and see see what what happened but yeah it was quite quite interesting and, and again you know the mainstream media like to pile in there and and again we would encourage you to always Read between the lines when it comes to headlines, especially um, because, for example, the the Guardian, as ever, um, wanted to uh, talk about uh, so-called, you know, experts have been uh, kind of piling in on Dr. Asim Maholtra, uh, but not recognising, of course, that Dr. Asim Maholtra himself is an expert. Um, mm. But the experts they quote, lo and behold, links to Pfizer. And you think, oh, okay, right, that will make sense. So, yeah. Um, and who was who was the other one? There was another one, another person that we've mentioned before is just uh, yes, worth mentioning. We've, we've uh, mentioned quite a few times before John Campbell, mm. um, and uh, again, someone else who's had quite a turnaround. Um, I think early on, you said Tim, he was claiming that the jab was a hundred percent effective. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I, it's. I mean. I think we said before on 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 this podcast. I mean, I remember watching him right at the start, and I I found it, you know, sort of, I guess, like many people did, sort of a, a comforting in the sense of here's a chap who knows, seems to know what he's talking about, and we don't know what this thing's going to be, and all this sort of thing. When you kind of um, right in the early days for me, at least, and uh, then when I when I started thinking, hmm, 
become a bit more suspicious. He was still going with that narrative, so I kind of mm. laid off it a bit. But 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 now he's again like he's just followed the evidence. Yeah. He has followed the science, if you want to use that a terrible phrase. But you, yeah. th- there's a video, there's a short like video you what you could watch where it goes back over his. He's done loads of YouTube videos where he's on one of them. I think he says effect. Basically, he says, look, it's almost like the 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 the, the COVID vaccine is 100 percent effective. And he's got these big banners behind him talking about getting wearing a mask and getting jabbed and all this sort of thing. And then in the video, it does it as he as he does this about turn. Now he's got these these great banners behind him, which says "Follow the evidence, wherever it may take you." Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's quite astounding. But he's he again is asking the same questions. Yeah, yes, he is, and um, so he's and he's particularly at the moment uh, asking questions around excess deaths, which we've talked yes. about, and that that is still a big issue. It's huge. He's talked it's about huge. Um, the the figures. There always always a bit of a delay, and I think now. Um, he's talked about the figures um, up to Christmas and into the beginning of January. And we are consistently having excess deaths um, here between one and I think it was two and a half thousand per week That's excess awful. deaths above what we would normally expect, um, which is absolutely shocking. And this has been going on for some considerable time. And um, I watched an interview he did with Neil Oliver, which was That's just recent, isn't it? It's a fairly recent thing. Yes, it was in the last couple of days. And one of them, I think it was Neil, who said, just imagine if we had a terrorist attack or something that killed 2,000 people. And this is across all ages, these excess deaths across all age groups. Mm. Imagine 2,000, just random 2,000 people killed it would be an absolute national disaster it would be over all of the press there would be calls for you know investigations and this must never happen again this is happening every week but because they're spread out across the country Mm. it's just it's like there's no nothing to see here it's absolutely shocking it is shocking and and it's perfectly reasonable and right to simply ask the question what's going on it looks like there's potential this could be the caused by these experimental jabs which have been rolled out to millions of people. Let's at least pause things until we can get to the bottom of it. That's the right thing to do. That's the reasonable thing to do. That's the, mor- that's the, the morally thing to do. Yeah, and there's normal thing to do. It's ethical, morally right. What what is completely wrong is just to keep going. And those who still adhere to this idea that we've got to still have a you know have this jab for something with what the infection fatality rate of way less than one percent is crazy i I don't know i don't i genuinely don't understand people who still go with that but um on the flip side as we've said many times if you i suppose if if one rather was to just listen to the bbc all the time i was listening to bbc in the car earlier today and um I came out at the end of the journey thinking, if I just listened to that all the time, I it's, I would believe all sorts of nonsense. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, that's a kind of a bit of a preamble, isn't it? But it's worth mentioning these these guys, and we'll we'll put the appropriate links in the um, in the notes because it's worth following. And we can't obviously can't touch on everything. There's other things we want to touch on as well, but we'll leave that for another time. But we've got our main our main topic because. Um, 
It is Veganuary, isn't it, Helen? It is. Yes. Yeah. It seems to be every January now. It is yeah the season of Veganuary. Yeah. So, it. I mean, it's. Where's this kind of? It, it's kind of come from relative obscurity, hasn't it? This 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 idea. I mean, it used to be sort of dry January. Um, and now, now, now it, it just seems to be January. January seems to be kind of morphing into an ever more joyless month. First <laughs> of all, there's no alcohol. Now there's no meat. And now there's no meat. I mean, and, and there's no and dairy products. And dairy products. Yeah, <laughs> that's of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, the thing. Not just not just being a, a vegetarian, is it? Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of come from relatively. Out of the blue, hasn't it? Not out of the blue, but obscurity. And it's come to the yeah. fore, I think. Is that right? Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know how far you'd have to rewind. Maybe 10 years. I don't think it was really talked about very much. I'd, I don't think I'd met anyone who was vegan. Um, you know, you had quite a few people vegetarian. But mm. um, being vegan, I always thought, gosh, that's really quite extreme, isn't it? And um it's like it's like a professional vegetarian. Yeah. That's how I've always kind of viewed it. And if you're vegan, listen to that. I'm not mean to upset anybody, uh, but it's like just be honest. The proper hardcore. <laughs> yeah, vegan. proper like you're, you're like full, full fat vegetarian. Yeah. If that's such a thing. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I think as well, it, it it it's what's noticeable, perhaps again, has come to the fore. Is this is this idea that. If you are a uh, vegan, it's it's now because of the climate. Because I I remember when I was at like um, when I was at university, there was there was a guy at university I'm thinking of actually, and he he was a vegan, and I think okay, that's that's what you want. It's fair enough, you know. That's your your call. But his his reasons for doing it were because he didn't like animals being killed for to. Providing with food or to providing mm. with, you know, a leather belt to keep his trousers up or whatever. And I think, okay, fair enough. That's that's your, that's totally your decision. But it seems now it, it, there's there's something a little bit more insidious. Well, a lot more insidious now that that's that's been a driving factor in this, hasn't it? Which is this idea that is is all linked with the climate 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 change narrative, isn't it, Helen? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's been a definite, certainly obviously with my interest in farming, um, I've noticed uh, this change or development of the narrative around um, a vegan diet being good for the climate. So so it's a good thing to do, to do your bit to help with climate change. Yes, yes. And, and I think, again, this is something that a lot of people... It seems have just accepted this as that's the thing. This is the new thing, you know. Um, yeah, I, and I think that's that's part of my concern is that just like climate change, like COVID, like Ukraine, um, it will become part of the accepted narrative in the church. Yes, you know, we've we've yes. seen that yeah. time and time again, and I think. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure there probably are churches already where uh, there's a pushing of a vegan agenda um, to help with the drive to net zero and everything. So, so I think, you no, know, I think it's an issue that we do need to think about. 
we do and and i think as christians it's really it's really important for for two reasons the first is that it is something that is affecting our culture in which we live our communities and our way of our world view is important it's important to how we um how we frame and and share the gospel but it's also important because the bible has lots to say about creation about food for example talks a lot about agriculture in the bible there's a lot of there's a lot of it's uh there's a lot of meat in the bible <laughs> um but i think even more so than that it's about what's actually really important and to keep our eyes and hearts focused on isn't it and and i think this is is yet another thing which is very easy to distract and you know without getting too sidetracked here it's just again worth reminding ourselves of the kind of the journey don't like that word but i've used it journey we've been been on as a as a nation the last three years where we have seen ideologies come to the fore and collectivism in terms of i've got to subscribe to this idea otherwise i'm not going to fit in you know first of all it's like stay at home you know keep away from your loved ones wear a mask get a jab fly a flag clap clap whatever it is now not you know not eating not eating um eating meat um and and that's problematic i think isn't it yeah there's a danger it can become a kind of virtue signaling um endeavor and i think i think one thing that that i would say is um probably you know fairly near the start is a bit like when you said about your friend that at university and you're like, yeah, that's fair enough. And, and I don't have a problem with anyone who, who decides they want to be a vegetarian or want to be a vegan. I, I've always asked people that I know, I've asked them what, why they are. Um, and, you know, not to just because I'm interested, because I like to hear, particularly if they think that, you know, farming is cruel or something like that. But um, where where I start to have an issue is when it becomes um, a kind of uh, form of activism and, and you know, we want to shame people who don't agree with us or, yes. or want to, you know, that that's what, what I have a problem with. Um, and the other thing is that I've always thought actually veganism does actually make more sense than, than being a vegetarian because oh, okay. you can't... Um, you can't. It, it's tricky to be a vegetarian and still eat dairy products because you then have the question of what are you going to do with the meat, because you can't have dairy products without animals having babies. You can't have milk without mothers having babies. So, what do you do with the babies if you're not going to eat them? So. Do you see meat is a byproduct okay. effectively yeah. of the dairy industry? So, it, yes, you know, yes. it's kind of you can only really have one or the other. You can either have meat and dairy, or you don't, in which case you need to be vegan. Or you just have to inc- eat increasing amounts of cheese, and and presumably. Like. Well, you could have eggs. You could have <laughs> eggs because you don't have to kill any chickens to have eggs, but you can't have milk or yogurt or cheese without 
having baby animals, which you then need to do something with. Which is why a cheeseburger makes so much sense. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got both then, haven't you? You got both. Um, you yeah. got both. Yeah. Um, right. So anyway, that's probably going going a bit a roundabout way, and probably should have defined what a vegan is. So, so effectively, a vegan would not have any animal products at all. So no meat, no fish, no eggs, no cheese, no leather, nothing that comes. In fact, I think a true vegan wouldn't eat honey. Really? That has come from wow. okay. bees have worked to create honey, so they don't eat honey. Um, so it's yeah. it's it, it is fully plant based. Plant. Right. I see. Yeah. Okay. That's really. I, I mean, I hadn't realised. I mean, cheeseburger bad jokes to one side. I hadn't I hadn't realised that about um, you know, um, like a a cow and calves for example um yeah. and and that that kind of cycle that begins and it's like well what then do you do um, yeah well being a dairy farmer's daughter i even remember as a child he used to say to people well you know being vegetarian doesn't re- you can't really have milk and cheese and yogurt without what are you going to do with it you can't have all these baby animals and then they grow up and what are you going to do with them or well, the world will come overrun with these animals you can't keep on having more which you need to keep doing in order to yes you know, animals don't just produce milk yeah without a pregnancy yeah wow okay um and and in terms of like what about veganism because is that is that because when you attach an ism to something it, it it suggests there's more to this than simply not not eating in this case, not eating meat or, or animal products or using animal products. Yeah, there's. Um, I've got here from the Vegan Society. Uh, they have a definition. They say veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude, as far as is possible and practical, all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing or any other purpose and by extension promotes the development and use of animal free alternatives for the benefit of animals humans and the environment in dietary terms it denotes the practice of dispensing with all products derived wholly or partly from animals hmm. okay it, it it feels and if you're vegan listening to this please don't take it the wrong way but it, it feels or, or like quite religious in the sense of it, it it's not simply something I do, it's a way of life because I think it would impact your life in lots of ways, wouldn't it? If you're actually going to subscribe wholly to that. Um, and, and many people choose to do that. Um, and And I suppose... It's, yeah, it's interesting from a a Christian point of view. It raises lots of lots of lots of questions about, for example, I think that that the Bible makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear that there is a a big difference in the worth of an animal versus the worth of a person to God. 
It's not that the animal is worthless, but it's that the person is of huge value to God. Um, and something like veganism, I think, detracts from that. It might not be immediately obvious, but I think that's what it does. It, 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 do, you know, do you know what I mean, Helen? It kind of Yeah, I do know what you mean. And it reminds me of what I remember my mum saying when I was quite young. I remember us doing um, a fundraiser and we were trying to decide what charity we wanted to support. We were quite little children. And obviously being children growing up on a farm and we really liked animals. And I think we suggested that we wanted to support the RSPCA. And not that my mum had anything against the RSPCA at all, but I remember her saying that she thought that it was better to support a charity that would help the people first, help people first before animals. So suggesting a children's charity and that and that's then what we did. And I always remembered that as, uh, yeah, I wonder if as a Christian, I should first have concern primarily for people who are suffering. Mm. Not that the suffering of animals is not important, but that was the order that she felt was right. And I would agree. Yeah, I, I, that sounds very, very wise. Because we, we, we live we live in an age now, sadly, where if if you are not a hundred percent for something, then you're a hundred percent against it. And there will be some very clear things where that applies. But 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 to to say that you well one you know believes that actually people made in god's image animals are not the bible clearly tells us but people are made in god's image are worth far more jesus says for example you know you're worth a person's worth far more than many sparrows mm. as an example um to say to say that is not to say that you don't you just are cruel to animals and you you just treat them with disdain and 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 make their life a misery it's not mm. saying that no what it's saying is you've got there is an order and the order's important and the order should never be turned on its head or um made equal which is the equivalent of turning on its head i would say so to say that people and animals have equal worth you might as well say animals have more worth than people if you do that in 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 scriptural uh sense i think that that would that would completely be right but um and as christians i think it's, it's important you know jesus died for people yeah didn't die for my dog or your cat um and yeah it, 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 i think you see, this is the wonderful thing. If we, if we follow Jesus, if we believe in God, if we acknowledge God, we have we have this amazing opportunity to 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 view the world in in the way that it should be viewed, in the way that God created it. Um, and as Christians, we we should we should. We should we should place a real emphasis on that, and and because the world wants the world wants us to to view the world in the way that the world dictates, which is increasingly at odds with what God's word says. Yeah, 
and it's the it's the order of creation isn't it so the reason that the creation story in genesis is so important is that it clearly shows us god's order for the world yes yes and it clearly shows us where human beings are in that order and it also clearly shows us where their responsibility lies in that order yeah it does it does um yeah we we are not saying are we Helen? we are not saying that god does not care for his creation that that would be absurd and completely false we are not saying that but we are saying that there 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 is an order of priority and it's there for a reason and it is important and it's important that christians particularly uphold that because that will affect ultimately the gospel and how that is understood and how that is proclaimed um but yeah going back to the vegan um vegan society if they got they got bit they they i mean they've not just appeared like a couple of years ago have they they've been around a while yeah um apparently they were founded in november 1944 so quite well, some time war, that's around. interesting okay yeah um so but, but apparently they say on their website that uh, veganism or well then they actually more really talk about vegetarianism has been around much longer they say that there's evidence of people choosing to avoid animal products tracing back over 2000 years um as early as 500 bc the greek philosopher and mathematician pythagoras promoted benevolence among all species and followed what could be described apparently as a vegetarian diet and also around the same time i didn't know this but apparently um siddhartha Gautama, who is better known as the Buddha, was discussing vegetarian diets with his followers, apparently. So, um, okay. Yeah. So that's vegetarian diets, but that's what they say has been around for a very long time. And, and there's been, I think, well, my understanding at least has been there's been a bit of a kind of a, a, a rebranding in, in, in the supermarket because you, you, I think we're less likely to see now. The vegetarian aisle or the vegan aisle, uh, although I'm sure they still exist, and are more likely to see plant-based plant-based yeah. foods. Um, is that right? Is that is that your I think take on it as well? Yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah. So there's been a kind of it, it's it's again sort of I suppose you know trying to normalise something. It makes something. it more mainstream. Yes, yeah. brings it more brings it more into brings it more into the mainstream, which is it again is worth clocking is worth noting because there is there is a difference between having something like you know uh being choosing to be vegan or vegetarian f- for whatever reasons that you might have that's fine versus making something mainstream so that people feel coerced or this might be seen as the thing to do, which is, I think it's been a subtle shift, hasn't it? Or maybe yeah, re- yeah. more recently, not so subtle, but there's definitely been a shift there, which we've got yeah. to just be on the guard against, I think. And uh, don't get us wrong, this is not this is not being on the guard against something because we don't want to, um, you know, n- not eat meat. or But um, 
because of the underlying ideology and philosophy and ultimately worldview, which I think as we'll hopefully kind of see is questionable, to put it mildly. Um, yeah. I think I think it's been, well, my perception is that it's become something quite trendy. Yeah. Possibly a bit um, sort of upper middle class, um, showing you care about the environment and... Um, and there's definitely quite a lot in there about health, like as if it's a healthy, it's a healthy choice, a healthy option to choose plant-based. Because you, you, I, I suppose with a with a totally plant-based diet, you've got to work harder at the protein side of things a little bit, haven't you? It's not that you can't get protein, but you just have to work harder. So that's one of the yeah. things, wouldn't it? Because yeah, meat so, obviously is quite, you know, quite protein-rich. Yeah, nutrition is. Um, yeah, it has to be a big issue. I mean, if you're going to follow a vegan diet, um, you have to be, if you're going to have any hope of staying healthy, you've got to be very careful about what you're eating because um, meat and dairy products are all very rich in a lot of things. They're very nutrient dense. So you've got to find other sources of those nutrients and plants are often have lower amounts but not only that they're also in a form very often that's less easily absorbed so you can't just guarantee that oh because you know it says in a piece of paper somewhere that this broccoli has as much of a particular nutrient as this piece of meat does even if you took that quantity of broccoli and you ate it that you wouldn't necessarily be guaranteeing that as much of it would be absorbed into your body yeah. as it would from the meat if you see what i mean yeah yeah wow yeah bro- bro- broccoli broccoli versus versus um a steak i mean broccoli goes very well with with meat um but anyway <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I can see i'm just gonna get into trouble here so i just apologize in advance um so veganuary um launched in 2014 is that right um, this this kind of campaign to encourage people to to shun all all animal derived products um, on the grounds of animal welfare, health, and uh, environmental impact. So yeah, re- relative yeah. relatively new compared relatively to the vegan new. society, but um, and but, it's very much a campaign. That's yes. the veganuary campaign. So that that's as that's you just the, said, that, it's that's the thing to watch for. Is that's the that's the that's the bit which is not good yeah that's the bit and where it says it's um about encouraging people to shun all animal derived products on the grounds of animal welfare health and environmental impact yeah so presumably the an- the animals going to die anyway just not going to eat it and enjoy it if 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 we if we you know because the animal you know if we this 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 January if we none of us decided to eat meat well that's actually you know for this month it doesn't really do anything does it but, uh, the animals that are living now that are going to be going to be cold um, eaten in February eaten in February yes yeah. And I don't know what the, the the kind of the meat equivalent of February would be, but yes. So it, it it it's it's that kind of I guess, like you say, it's that campaign side of it, and 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 it is 
as you said earlier, it, it does have a kind of virtue signaling feel about it, like showing showing that you care about the environment. But that means that we have to um, buy this idea that, you know, cows farting basically is 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 kill, killing the planet or burping or whatever. And, and that seems uh, b- bizarre, to put it mildly. Um as as a thing, it's almost one of these. It's almost one of these ideas where you think, surely nobody's going to claim that that's actually a thing, and yet they have, and and people buy it, and so and hop on the uh, veganuary train. So, yeah, well, it's it has definitely been um, quite heavily linked in now to the whole climate change agenda. And the drive towards net zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, and, and you, you miss meat out, like say, you miss out those the, the nutrients. You've got like, what's red meat is rich in iron, zinc, vitamins, B12, which is really important, isn't it? Um, dairy foods rich in calcium, iodine. Didn't know that. Vitamins, Yeah, well, actually, in, interestingly, this morning, my youngest boy was eating his cereal and he was reading the back of the... He his gets a bit stroppy about the. We've got milk from the supermarket at the moment. It usually comes from the farm, but the not direct from the cows cow. aren't milking at the moment. <laughs> but he was reading the back, and he said, "Oh, this milk's got iodine in it," and uh, he knows what iodine is because we use it on the farm when the lambs are born. It's used on the navels straight away after bo- after they're born. The iodine goes on just to stop any nasties from getting in any nasty germs and things. Um, so he was like, oh, the milk's got iodine in. And so I explained to him that that's naturally in the milk. There ah. is iodine and iodine is very important for us. We need iodine. I never knew that. Wow. Every yeah. day is a school day. Um, and, and yeah, all, all you know, a rich source of protein, eggs, eggs, dairy foods, and, and of course, of course, red meat. And like you're saying, it, 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 whilst it's possible to, I guess, substitute some of those with plant, plant-based things, it's much harder um yeah so you have to work harder you have to definitely think about your diet more carefully if you're going to follow a vegan a vegan diet um because i mean i think it's quite clear i think you struggle to argue that we were designed to be fully vegan with we appear to be designed to be omnivores you know our teeth our digestion um we eat both Yes, and and have done for many thousands of years as well. Yeah. Um, which which is 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 worth noting because recent years there have been many claims that that um, red meat and, and dairy products cause heart disease, strokes, etc. Um, I can think of something that's going around at the moment that that might be quite a considerable cause of those things, sadly, but it's not meat yeah um, there's it, it from the on the nutrition side that has been um something that i've found very frustrating is this kind of demonization of meat and dairy products um and it's become again that has over not that many years it's become again part of a kind of narrative that most people have bought into oh well you know eating less meat if you're worried about as you get older high cholesterol um putting on weight so it must be you know eat less meat have less dairy products and instead bring in all these kind of alternative things which are often 
processed foods. And um, there are quite a number of medical experts now who are saying quite the reverse, saying that actually it's sugar and processed foods which are causing the problem. Yeah. And in processed foods, it's particularly the trans fats, which are particular sort of um, fats that that are probably what are causing the problem. And if you have um, meat that's not been processed, then you're not going to have that problem because meat in its pure form doesn't have trans fats. Right, right. That that makes so much sense. I mean, we we've I guess we've we've grown up with with certain foods being demonised in the media. You know, we had the whole thing with Edwina Curry and, and eggs. Um, was it the salmon? You know, remember the salmonella thing? I can't remember what that yeah. was now. Was it in nineties or late eighties or whatever it was? Yeah. Uh, we you know we've had the whole debate over whether you should have butter or margarine, and it just flip flaps around, and it kind of and and really it. it there's so much nonsense and and when we look if you look back over history people have generally speaking had a reasonably balanced diet consisting of vegetables and meat and dairy yeah. and it's been fine <laughs> so yeah to to kind of suddenly at this late stage in history, shall we say, to, to suddenly try and say, oh, this is because of red meat or dairy products is is uh, somewhat bizarre and yeah. um, I suspect erroneous. Well, and again, if you look at, you know, for how long have we been eating a lot of, you know, things that are high in sugar and very processed foods? Mm. Well, that's all relatively recently. And within the same time frame, frame we've had a absolute epidemic of obesity and yes um, yeah you know all the problems around that and diabetes and yeah um, and it appears to be in countries developing countries where they start taking on a more western diet with all of these sugars and processed foods then they start to see a rocketing of exactly those those sorts of diseases they, they do. It, it kind of it does make me wonder where a cream egg fits into all this. I don't know whether it's kind of classed sure as dairy or, or 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 well, it's bad because it's sugar. But I, yeah, that's that's something that's increasingly on my mind at the moment, actually. Um, yeah, but that that is these are all kind of parts of the jigsaw, aren't they? Which yeah. we, if we're going to think about this, it, these are important things to to bear in mind and to ponder and to mull over um so that we can um apply critical thinking to 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 what we're told is good for us or what we're told we should be doing yeah Um, and i think um just on that nutrition thing i think it's important for us all to take responsibility for for our health and for our, our diet and um we can all do that and, and I think, um, you know, as someone who is interested in food and where it comes from and, and um, the health benefits or otherwise of it, um, I've, I get frustrated when, when I see that not being the case and frustrated when I see messages that are being given particularly to children, which I think are really, really unhelpful and unhealthy. I mean, as an example, uh, my children brought home from primary school a few years ago a sort of healthy eating leaflet, which much of which I didn't agree with at all. Um, and one of the things they were promoting was to drink um, 
so-called sugar-free drinks. Well, to me, that's crazy. Children should be drinking water and milk. Mm. And then if they're going to have a sugary drink, then then it really should be juice or something that's got proper sugar in it rather than additives and pretend sugar. Yes. So, But yeah. it appeared from this leaflet that, well, the best thing to drink is, you know, sugar-free, which is full of um, sweeteners. And Yeah. Yeah, which are very, some of them are very, very bad for you and or so, addictive. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I've <clears throat> for, for years had this sort of general theory about pure foods, I call them. So the more, I would say generally, the more foods that you can eat that are in their purest form. So things like um, obviously fruit, vegetables, cheese, eggs, milk, whole milk, um, meat that's not processed. The more of that you can eat, you know, that's got very few or it is the pure ingredient, the better. It's not rocket science. It's like as nature intended. Yeah. There it is. Have it in its purest form where you can. And and sadly, I mean, you know, these these things really should be relatively inexpensive if we're doing it properly. I mean, there'd be certain cuts of meat which would cost more of course but but insofar as you know supermarkets at the moment take a big cut don't they of of yeah. things so so you know we we don't import well i don't do we import eggs but i mean i mean a, a lot of eggs are, are Some, kind of home laid to, i was gonna say homegrown be. but you don't grow an egg yeah most um, would be. um and and again for you know meat and 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 milk we 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 could stroke should be able to be self-sufficient and do it in a way which is sustainable for farmers and affordable yeah. for, affordable for people. And then you have that opportunity, don't you, to do what you said, to kind of invest your your health through pure food. And that's a good thing. But I think we've had this we've had this convenience of supermarkets, which has dictated how this pans out. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously it's it's different for everyone and but uh, but I think everyone can think about their food a bit more carefully and you know and sometimes it might be well actually I'm finding meat is a bit expensive and I would say well in that case quality over quantity so source your meat well get good quality meat and if you can't get as much of it that's fine but it's better to have the quality over you know yeah. some low quality you know, you can have yeah. low quality imported rubbish in um, many products. But again, the more of the processed food that you're eating, the less easy it is to determine where has that come from? How has it been sourced? How was that produced? It's much harder. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too, too off topic here, but I mean, it just, it just thinking about, you know, it does raise the question of, you know, I think generally the that the lifespan has increased in this country. Well, it's about 82, 82 years, isn't it? The average, mm. 82 point something years. S slightly slightly less than the, the, the average age of, of death from COVID, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so whatever that is, it's slightly less than that. Um, and I think, but I do wonder, has, has the health of the nation increased? And I'm not sure it has, which is a, I know it might sound like a bit of a contradiction there, but but there's there's a there's sadly you know a lot of 
sickness. There's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of um, obesity. Um, and so finding finding a way which is, yeah, finding a way which is affordable, which is incredibly difficult at the moment with, with everything being so expensive to be able to look after ourselves properly is, is a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah. It's a real yes. challenge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a digression there. But but just bringing this back to kind of veganuary in terms of um, the environment, because that's that's a real driving factor for for some people to 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 do this, isn't it? To think, yeah. right, I'm gonna, I, I don't, I want to eat less meat. If I eat less meat, the demand for meat will go down. If the demand for meat goes down, then ultimately that will mean there's less cattle. If there's less cattle, then there's less methane. If there's less methane, um, then the world won't end quite so quickly. Is, yeah, is that that's that seems that's to be the general, yeah, way that that works. Okay, <laughs> it's um. I mean, I've said it multiple times before, haven't I? That this is another example of massively oversimplifying something that is not simple. And it's mm. not straightforward, um, and the there have been all sorts of figures all over the place about how much carbon is produced in agriculture, how much is from meat production and all these crazy calculations. I mean, it's there's not even just the calculations. How are you going to do a calculation across, you know, vastly different forms of livestock production? I mean, I what I know about is what we do in this country. Um, in other countries, things are done just on massive scales compared to here or, mm. yep. um, you know, livestock production in parts of Africa can be in a, uh, just a completely different thing. Interestingly, um, cows that are on very poor diets like they would be in, in many African countries produce a lot more methane. So methane production is there's a direct correlation with the quality of the cow's diet. So if you actually want to get rid of the most the cows that are producing the most methane you'll get rid of all of the cows that are that are owned by the poorest people in the world so um right i mean is is there is that that is interesting but is there any is there any real kind of basis for this idea that actually cattle is significantly contributing towards climate change if you believe that climate change is a genuine thing um because you know the world is 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 a pretty vast place and when you if you go with this whole narrative for example i think it's around two between two and three percent that the United Kingdom as a whole contributes towards this so if if the whole of the United Kingdom became vegans and we we lived by candlelight or whatever it wouldn't make any real meaningful difference so it, it yeah there's something i mean is is it actually is is this actually a genuine thing or is it is it something that is overstated to to drive an agenda well i think it's it is both because i mean if you if you put a bag over a cow's head and at the other end of its body and you trap the methane coming from both ends <laughs> you will find that there is methane produced yeah um i think you'll find that 
probably is true for human beings as well. But for cows, <laughs> they do have a significant digestion going on there. And, and that is that is true. That is what is produced. But they're also part the the livestock production process involves in I mean in this country most cows are reared um on grass so you know you grow grass for cows and grassland uh, and also um much of the grass for cows and sheep in this country much of that land we would struggle to use for growing vegetables or plants for human mm -hmm. consumption so this land is being used for livestock production and is also a really important carbon sink yes for fixing carbon yeah which is part of the concern with the you know this narrative so it's not as straightforward as just oh well cows produce methane well cows are also involved in the complex carbon cycle yes yeah because because you know plants trees need carbon don't they to 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 live yeah um that's part of it anyway yeah okay yeah. so you can you can get into all sorts of complicated um calculations about this which i try to avoid because i think the whole argument is flawed in the first place which is what we talked about a bit in our podcast when we talked about climate change um but but that is definitely that's part of the argument being used um it it, it feels like the kind of the the mass vegan argument, in other words, you know what what could be perceived as as a drive to get many more people to adopt a vegan lifestyle, is is similar to the drive to get people to drive an electric car, which which seems to have, which seems to have stalled a little recently. I have to confess, looking looking at the news, which is not surprising, but insofar as you know, you you, you buy an electric electric car. The batteries are horrendously um, problematic to produce in terms of the impact on the environment, um, and plus the fact, and to and to get rid of them at the end as well. Uh, but also, of course, you've got to put electricity in the car. And where's that electricity is going to come from? Well, it might come from wind. It might come from coal. It might come from nuclear. You don't know. You don't actually have a choice when you plug plug the cable into the socket but it, it it sounds like it it's not thought through because if you if everybody did go vegan then where do we get all the staples from because we can't get them all from here can we no and that that's that's an important issue because it, like i said before nutritionally it's very important to to get all the nutrients you need which you're not going to just get from um vegetables and fruit that are produced in season in this country. So you then facing importing a lot of staples or things that we can't even grow in this country. So for example, nuts, soya, avocados, pulses, um, and, and some of these things in particularly avocado production, soya production, almond production, um, are actually quite controversial. There's some real questions to be asked about the way they're produced on on mass scale quite often um you know with avocado production there's particular problems with um displacing local agriculture and mm. um in some places whole economies are now run on avocado production really so wow. 
you know there are there are ethical issues around that as well and i think this is the other thing with with oversimplifying like for example with carbon that's not the only consideration if you're going to think about environmental issues what about impacts on water on wildlife habitats on pollution on soil on landscape you know every form of agriculture growing food whatever it is whether it's vegetables fruit um, or livestock production is going to have some impact in some way so you've got a complex calculation to do there plus on top of that I think it's very important to look at the ethical issues around what are the impacts on communities on local communities on local mm. businesses on mm. um, people's way of life and their ability in local places to to earn a living and to uh, eat well and live well themselves yeah uh, yeah that's that is that is really really true um and i think you kind of you know you, you, you're bringing stuff in from another country you got to get it here haven't you, you got to how are you going to do that you're going to fly it in you're going to bring it on a boat um like i say i mean it's it's just it 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 doesn't it doesn't stack up to a to a to a reasonable logical scrutiny um which 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 then leaves us with the question what is it really about um and that perhaps is is uh, you know i think there are some clues um but it does it does feel like there's a underlying tone through much of what you read about this which is a kind of demonization of humanity that we are the problem that 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 we need to be reduced in number i mean you, you listen to some people are really kind of far out and they'll say all sorts of terrible things about you know wanting less and less people um which flies in the face of what god says go forth and multiply you know fill the earth subdue it right back in genesis um and we don't have to go far before we we come back to the bible and come back to what's really going on here and i think what really ultimately is happening what this is kind of a facade for in some cases is um undermining god's order i think do you know what i mean yeah yeah and and that's certainly what we're seeing with the climate change agenda isn't it it is it is there's a there's a there's a there's a franticness about about it now which is which is unsettling i think we we i can't remember which podcast it was a few podcasts ago where we touched on the the um the young woman on top of the gantry over the M25, and I—I I, I don't know if you saw the clip, Helen, but she was she was almost hysterical, and you know, saying, "Yeah, I've got no future." And you're thinking, you know, I mean, just like, just stop. You're, you're fine, love. You know, <laughs> just get a grip. But it's like it, this is the yeah. It, it, when you buy into all this alarmism, it consumes you. And you, you, you're prevented from 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 seeing the truth. 
which is which is really tragic and really sad. And the irony is, is that, that, that you know those really pushing this as an agenda rather than as a simple choice is is you is they think they are pursuing the truth. They think they have seen it, and and they haven't. It's a deception. Um, as we will sort of hint at in a bit, but yeah, anything, anything, anything else to add on this? Because there's, I mean, the whole thing with like cow's milk. There's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people like uh, oat milk and almond milk, and I don't know where yeah, else you get cat's get milk, all, mice milk. I mean, milk what now. do you get? What's the other one? Coconut milk. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, yeah, soya milk. All all sorts of different milks. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to always um, shout for cow's milk, aren't I, as a dairy farmer's daughter? But um, wh- one of the things, again, I've known since I was really young is that uh, cow's milk, people people think, oh, you know, full fat milk. I don't know where that term ever came from, but it was very silly whoever came up with the term full fat milk because whole milk, milk that hasn't had any of the fat removed from it, is is about 4% fat, which would qualify it for most low-fat labels. You know, most oh, okay. low-fat labels would be like 95% fat-free. It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, whole that's milk. basically whole milk then, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. So um, well, one of the things that um, these alternative milks, like, for example, almond milk, one of the things that is used to encourage people um, to adopt that rather than cow's milk is, is um, the issue of how much water is used in production um, and calculations have been made. They say, oh, well, you know, a dairy milk production uses huge amounts of water. Well, it's like that's true, but it's also not true. It's, again, it's not simple. So most of the water that is um, used to grow the grass that the cows feed on Mm. comes from rainwater, well, that's what we would term green water. That's just the natural water that falls on the ground. Right. Whereas what they term blue water is the is taken from the water supply. So the blue water would be what you'd have in the cattle trough for the cows to drink. If they're not drinking, they may be drinking from a natural water source like a pond or a stream, um, which which they often may do depending what you have on your farm. But if you need to feed them water in a trough that would be blue water coming effectively from the tap okay so apparently to produce one liter of milk it takes about eight liters of blue water okay. but in contrast almond milk requires 158 liters of blue water to produce one liter of almond milk which is almost wow. 20 times That's that huge, of cow's milk huge increase so you could then argue actually environmentally that's a lot more of a problem than cow's milk so do you see how these things are not always quite as they seem when you dig down a bit exactly and 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 i think that's why there is this lifting the lid on the agenda that lies beneath because you know you've given yet another example of 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 the the fallacy of veganism as an ideology as a um as something to be promoted for all, which is different to me being a vegan because I've chosen to, 
as opposed to me being a vegan and then having a kind of zealot type attitude that wants to make everybody else a vegan very 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 different things um and and i you know in fairness maybe it's it's harder to separate the two out you know because if you are subscribing to a vegan lifestyle then perhaps you've done that because you want to make other people vegan well you know that's that has made that that may be the case but uh i guess we would just have to disagree on that one not you and me but with the, with the idea of that being okay um what about i mean wool as well that's that's uh that's a great thing isn't it yeah yes it is sheep, sheep are amazing they sheep are amazing yeah <laughs> um well it, it's such an amazing resource that in this country we don't value hopefully we're starting to value a little bit more but um my sister is the best shepherdess i know and um <laughs> she she produces lamb uh, top quality somerset grass fed on beautiful meadows um gorgeous somerset lamb but one of the effectively byproducts of production of lamb is um wool because every year the sheep need to be shorn because they would get too hot and the wool um, is a real problem in the summer when the flies can cause horrible problems. Um, so taking the wool off every summer is really important. Yeah. And that wool is is astonishing. It's a natural insulator, keeps the sheep really, really warm in the winter. Um, and of course, you know, anyone, if you wear a wool jumper, you know that, that it keeps you warmer than yeah. other fabrics. It's very warm. Um, it could be used for insulation, loft insulation, all sorts of things. And it's and it's also biodegradable. Um, yeah. But as anyone who's tried to buy a wool carpet may know, it's very expensive to buy wool carpets. But you may be astonished to know that um, sometimes you have to virtually pay people to take the wool away. It's worth virtually nothing. Farmers get paid. By the time you take the cost of the shearing... There's nothing left. Really? Yeah. And yet something like a wool carpet costs a lot. And I guess that's partly yeah. because of the factors involved in making a carpet. Obviously, it's not a simple thing. But but yeah. 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 So in, in many countries, you know, wool is a really, really important resource. And we need to rediscover the importance of wool. It, you know, we, we many parts of the country, the wool trade was a... Oh, it's, it's huge! Massive, yeah, massive it's, thing. Yeah, it's, it, it, when when this country had had an economy, had an industry that that was that was uh, meaningful, that that was a massive part of it. Um, mm. And you know, yeah, we're not looking at this through necessarily rose tinted glasses, but it 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 definitely was um, was a good thing. And also, it's it's making full use of what God has provided. He's provided this 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 animal this sheep this rather nutty thing which kind of i guess doesn't seem to do what you want it to do most of the time um it provides food provides clothing it's astonishing yeah and then when you bring in you know leather as well yeah which is effectively the byproduct of meat production yeah and you know if you think of all the different things that can be produced from from leather and the, the amazing properties of leather it is. It's. Uh, it is quite. Quite something. And all natural. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, also, think the the land used to graze livestock 
to 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 somebody like me, a kind of um, you know, what's, what's the word? Um, I was going to say newbie, um, whatever the word might be. Um, well, I look in and I think, oh, that's a nice field. Why don't you um, grow corn there instead of, you know, grazing cows? It, it's not simple as that, is it? No, no. So we have, we're very fortunate in this country to have all sorts of different, um, you know, within a relatively small area, we have all sorts of different landscapes, all sorts of different soil types. Uh, so different parts of the country, it tends to be why you see different forms of agriculture in different parts of the country. So, for example, in East Anglia, where there are very rich soils, that's where you tend to get a lot of vegetable production and you get a lot of crop production and you get much less livestock production. Whereas when you go to um, the hills or the land that's much more tricky that you would you would just not be able to grow vegetables you wouldn't be able to grow crops but you can grow grass and that's where you will more traditionally have livestock production ah see okay yeah that that does that does make sense um and so yeah so we it's important that we kind of know i guess what's possible and what isn't possible in in the land in the land that we have and and the implications of suddenly wanting to to change how we do things and thinking that's going to work when actually it's not <laughs> in the case yeah, of you know switching and... switching farmland around for example um yeah and you, and i think we have to recognize as well that livestock production is responsible for most of the landscape of our countryside in this country mm -hmm. which drives tourism and therefore supports many jobs and businesses I mean, for example, hedges. You don't really need hedges if you if you haven't got livestock. That's no. what hedges were designed for. They're designed for marking the edges of a field in order to graze livestock. So the hedges are meant to stop the livestock from getting out. So a good hedge will keep the animals in the field. Which is why the hedge laying is an art, isn't it? The, in the it kind is of... indeed an art, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and only in contrast, for example, like a country like Ukraine, where they grow, as many people know, it was formerly known as the breadbasket of of Europe, and maybe hopefully one day again will be known as that. But it it, it certainly you, you go there, and the fields are enormous. They are just massive. Um, where they just grow corn or or barley or or, or sunflowers and things like that. Um, yeah. It's a completely different kind of of use, um, and and it's important, like as well for I guess hedges provide you know homes for birds and other wildlife, and there's there's so much that farming does that contributes towards the countryside and and the animals that we actually have, both you know on the farm and actually wild animals doesn't it it's, it's huge yeah. and i think that's often unrecognized by by a lot of people yeah it, it is and i think i mean obviously i can only really talk about agriculture in this country i know much less about agriculture elsewhere and there certainly are big questions to ask around you know the sorts of um farming methods in in certain sometimes in even in parts of our country but certainly in in other countries where particularly where it's become vast 
uh, production, vast monocultures. Um, so, you know, there are good ways to farm and there are really not good ways to farm. So, you know, I'm not saying that that's not an issue. It is It is an issue. And then the the pressures of the constant drive for low food prices mm. obviously puts a pressure on cost of production. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to every farmer, I can't think of one that, that I know, I can't think of a farmer who doesn't want to have wildlife on their farm. Um, every farmer I know has an interest in the wildlife on their farm. They want to farm in the best way they can alongside nature. They don't want to be destroying wildlife. They don't want to be destroying habitats. They want habitats for wildlife. They want to think about their local environment and to do everything they can to steward well. But they're also having to run a business and they're also having to make a profit. Otherwise, they can't, they can't continue. So there is a tension and... Yeah, yeah. That's a reality. And and that is that is really that is really Im important to say, I think, because these kind of things are obvious to most when when we're told but might not actually occur to us in a general kind of scheme of things and and the the way often that um you know farmers are treated by by the press and mainstream media particularly is is not is not great and um and I think we just need to be aware of that. But shall we? Shall we bring this as we kind of come into to to land on Veganuary? Do we bring it back to? And we should bring it back to. It wasn't a question. Do we? We should bring it back to the Bible, because um, the Bible has quite a lot to say on all this whole topic, really, doesn't it, Helen? Yeah, definitely, it does. Yeah, and best place to start is is the Garden of Eden, really, God's order and creation, which we talked about um, earlier on, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so creation was made for man and and man, human beings were given, given the role of caring for creation and stewarding God's yeah. creation. Yeah, it, it, that, that was, that was our, that was our original task, wasn't it? Which was a, a pretty monumental task, to be honest, to to subdue the earth, to rule over it, to to look after um, what God has created, um, and yeah, I mean, we don't Eden's not mentioned again in the Bible, is it? Interestingly, no. I heard someone saying about this the other day, and I'd never really thought about it, but it isn't, and and that um and this person was saying that the paradise lost so after the fall and when adam and eve were thrown out of the garden um it's never mentioned again it's almost like paradise was lost because without the people it was no longer paradise yes that's very interesting i've never thought about that before but that is that is helpful to to ponder that one i think um and the, the 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 Bible is is especially the Old Testament, well, and the New Testament too, but especially the Old is it's full of agriculture, you know, livestock farming in terms of you know how many head of cattle, head of sheep somebody owns. Um, obviously, fishing in the, particularly in the New Testament is is very prominent. Got the use of meat for sacrifice, 
with no sacrifice, there's no forgiveness of sin. And that is that would be a monumentally massive problem if we didn't have the means by which our sins could be forgiven. And the sacrifice in the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus' sacrifice. And of course, we now have the fulfillment of that because Jesus died and rose again for us to pay the price of our sin and to have have that as as the means of forgiveness is is astonishing and um yeah that that that's where we really need to be looking at but but yeah that, that it's it's the whole thing is kind of it's woven through um through the bible i mean we have the life of jesus don't we it kind of the almost like the the farming element was right right at the start wasn't it helen oh yes right at the beginning where was where where in every nativity play where do you put jesus in the manger and what's the manger it's the feeding trough for the cattle yeah yeah and 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 he was he was he was his first visitors were like that you know the modern day equivalent of local farmers, wasn't it? Coming into yeah. coming in to see <laughs> see this the local yokels, the, yep. The, yeah. To see the 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 newborn king of kings. Um and uh yeah we have, you know, obviously in the, the parable of the prodigal son that the, the father celebrates by by getting the, the fattened calf, the special calf that has been saving for that moment where he's gonna have a real feast. It's a bit like a kind of it's a butcher's dream, isn't it? All this kind of language, and 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 the Bible, the Bible is 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 rife with this. And and please don't misunderstand us. This is not this is not us kind of having some poor taste pop at somebody who doesn't eat meat. That's not that's not what we're doing at all. This isn't what this is about at all. This is simply looking at the reality of God's word of. Uh, the world in which we live and 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 trying to look at the bigger picture so that we can keep our eyes and our hearts on what is important which is which is Jesus the good shepherd and that's what we we have to do and there'll be many many things to distract us won't there I think yeah yeah and um there's quite a tension, isn't there? I was listening to someone talking the other day who was saying, um, who is a Christian and who ha- who is a vegan. And he was saying that he felt that um, that it was it was like a um, a kind of high, um, almost like a high calling or a, it, he felt that it was a a sort of holy thing to be doing to pursuing a vegan diet because then it would mean that there would be no killing of any animals and he felt that that was you know something that he he thought was important as a christian Mm. and where i struggled with that was was at the point because he was asked about but jesus ate meat didn't he and of course we read in the scripture that jesus clearly ate fish Mm. he clearly ate lamb because at passover yes and and we know he ate the passover meal uh you would have lamb at the passover meal he clearly fed other people with fish we read about the feeding of the five thousand, where he multiplied the fish to feed the people um and like you say he he talked in his parables about um you know the parable of the prodigal son with the killing of the fattened calf so the where i struggled then was this 
the kind of where that leads to is, is oh well I can make a more noble choice or a um more holy choice than Jesus um mm. do, do you see what I mean so I don't have a yeah. problem yeah. with someone choosing I feel that that's what I want to do but to kind of say that it's a holy thing to do or a superior thing to do um I, I struggle yeah. with that. It's quali- qualifying, trying to qualify it without having any biblical precedent or mandate to do that is is open to being questioned. I think, and, and again, this goes back to, and we'll we'll touch on this near the end, which we we are near the end now. But um, there is a difference between choosing something for yourself versus choosing something as a means by which to change other people i think um but yeah i it it it's like it's like it's almost like we want to act as if we know better than god isn't it well isn't that what is happening in so many different areas now yeah. It's like, you know, with the whole issues around, oh, is there just male or female? Is yes. this a thing we can interchange? We can be whatever we like. And it's like as if, oh, well, we're enlightened now, aren't we? We yes. know so much more now. We have so and it's like right, we have we know more than God the creator, do we? Yeah. That 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 is that is that is where it's at, isn't it, sadly. Um and 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 it's 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 a fallacy it's it's erroneous um and and as christians we've we we've got to do what we can to not fall into that trap and to and to encourage one another not to do that because i think it's easy to do that and it's easy to do that when you allow the the culture to 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 permeate your thinking because it doesn't take long before you start to question what previously you wouldn't have questioned doesn't take long to be told well must stop eating meat because we want to save the environment to then that becoming actually just part of your thinking and before you know you think well yeah maybe there is something in this that's how it works that's how this stuff seeps in and and we just need to be on our guard against this kind of thing i think i think it's wise to do that um yeah i mean what 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 else is there in terms of what we can talk from the Bible here? So there are lots of things we can we can touch on. Um, so we got God God calling us, what uh, well, equipping us to tend the land, um, being good stewards of the land. That's that's certainly uh, that's something something we can be aware of, isn't it, Helen? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and like I said before, there are good ways for doing that and less good ways of doing that, and I think. It's always really important, certainly as someone involved in farming, um, you know, things like animal welfare would be, is a really important thing to me. I think that um, the looking after of, looking after the land well, looking after the soil well, you know, making sure that you're um, looking after things in the long, for the longer term. Most in this country, many farms are, are run by families and passed down from one family to another and that's traditionally been very much part of the 
outlook is you know this is not just for me this is for me to hand on hopefully in even a better state than when I was handed it on to the next generation and I think that's you know there are biblical principles in in there so yeah and and yeah. You, you, you you know you obviously you go into the the old testament and when when the um when the Israelites came out of Egypt and God gave them the law through Moses, they they uh, over time they they had, you know, rules about how to care for animals. They had rules about allowing fields to lie fallow. Yeah, and it's important because God God is God's creation and He wants His creation to flourish. Yeah, in which He has put man, men and women, man at the top of that <laughs> and it's worked for thousands of years yeah. since then yeah um so yeah it 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 can be helpful to to remind remind us of this um right back in genesis um again it reminded that all food is given to us by god in genesis chapter 9 verse 3 um i think Abstinence is it is a matter of faith, isn't it? It's not it's not about being in subservience to worldly constructs, to worldly ideas. It it is a it is important that it's a matter of faith, and and Dan Daniel would be a good example of that because I, I I've heard over you know anecdotally people you know might say oh well you know I, I want to be a, a vegetarian because you know daniel didn't eat meat and i think okay well actually yeah but look look at what look at what look at why he did that he didn't it was it was not done because of um worldly pressures that he wanted to submit himself to it was an act of faith and obedience to what he believed was right before god and that's really, really, really important. Um, and, and I think if if you or I or, or, or anybody who, who is Christian wants to abstain from certain foods, that's that's fine. Do it out of a desire to draw closer to God. Do it. Make it a matter of faith. But if we, as Christians, start to declare certain foods off limits. I, I would say that that is not only unbiblical, we're erring into the territory of idolatry, where actually we could be making, let's say, the environment, the idol, the God that must be worshipped, and we worship it by not eating meat. As Christians, we, can, we can't go near that, and we've got to see it for what it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. and And also be aware of... The condemning of others or taking the moral high ground, which yes. which is also also a sin, and um, you know propaganda and efforts to shame or vilify farmers or meat eaters is 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 wrong. And um, you know I'm not not saying that I've encountered Christians doing that, but I've certainly encountered many people who who do that in sometimes quite quite extreme ways but yeah but it doesn't it, it doesn't take much to get to that point though it doesn't take much where you you, you move from veganuary to people saying 
Oh, you don't eat meat, do you? That's not good. It's not that the two things aren't that far apart, actually. And I think if we've, you know, again, we've said often in this podcast, we need to try and as best as we're able to, 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 to learn from the last three years. And it's worth reminding ourselves just how quickly like a narrative can be taken on by the whole and be driven along through a fear of not wanting to to stand out from the crowd and and a fear of not wanting to be seen not conforming um and again as as christians we 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 can't be doing that we can't be doing that and it's it's all too easy to arrive at that point i think so we just need to be on our guard against it um do you want to finish with a bit of scripture a bit of a different one today have you, have you yeah. got it in front of you? Do you, you want to read it out? No, no. Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, this is from Romans chapter 14 and starting at verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a fantastic set of verses there. Um, and there's many things that we could we could touch on, but just to finish with, I think if, if, it just reminds us that if something is done for purposes other than our faith, then then we are on shaky ground, and it's it's worth thinking. Okay. What are my motives here for doing this? That's an important thing. And it also, I think, just reminds us that if, if somebody does choose, for whatever reason, not to eat meat, to do that as a matter of faith before God. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, however, if we, we, we abstain from something from a reason other than faith... For example, to ideologically conform ourselves to our culture, then this passage actually tells us that that's sin, and and it's we've got to be awake to this, and and importantly, we've got to treat each other with love and treat each other in such a way as not to cause the other to stumble through our actions. Um, and as again, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we've got to find a way to to apply this to our lives. And, and in in the day and age in which we live, it's becoming increasingly challenging. But these challenges do present us with an opportunity to serve God and to put His word into practice, which is actually an amazing thing. So, yeah, anything else to add on that one, Helen? No, I agree. Yep, I think that's a good note to end on.
Okay. Well, um, we, at the start of this, Hannah and I thought this would be quite short, but I think short one. <laughs> I think we've um, <coughs> excuse me, we've managed to kind of go a bit longer. Um, so I hope you yeah. found it helpful. Um, and yeah. Um, I hope you please do share this with with people you think it would encourage, would inform, and would build up. Um, you can find information on where to find various bits and pieces on the on the Linktree link, which is on the Podbean site. So there's there's Helen's um, Substack, which is really good. Do have a look at that. Really, really good stuff on there. And we'll put some links to as many things as we can remember from our podcast that we've talked about, um, which hopefully you'll find interesting. We have a Telegram channel that if you want to join that, you're very welcome to. Again, that's that's in the link tree. Uh, Have I missed anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, we've got we've got a few a few hopefully uh, some some good things lined up for February. That's a normal month, isn't it? February. Yep. Yep. That'd <laughs> um, be a normal one. Yeah. Normal one. <laughs> um, but yeah, is that it? That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. That's well, it. thanks for listening, and uh, see you on the next one. See you soon. Bye. The owl and the badger.